Good morning. You're just in time. Welcome to the St. Gabriel Cafe, your sacred space to sip on today's local blend of faithful encouragement. Let's start our day together. Good morning, friends. Pull up a chair. I'm Dave Orsborn. And I'm Amanda Miller, and we're so excited to have you with us in the St. Gabriel Cafe, our live and local morning show. Cam Clutter is our broisto, and we're talking about the diaconate today with two very special guests, Deacon Steve Patrill and Deacon Candidate Dave Collinsworth. Good morning, Amanda. Good morning, Dave. Do you start us with a prayer? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Lord, we praise you for another day. We bring our hearts humbly to you, asking for all those graces that we need in particular for today and for all the circumstances it brings. We thank you for the opportunity to minister to you through those around us. And we ask to be attentive to that, to see the need, and to meet that need with charity. We offer ourselves to you in this prayer, through Jesus' name, and through the intercession of Mary. Amen. Amen. The church celebrates St. Vincent de Paul today. Hey. Uh, he is the patron saint of charities and volunteers. Okay. And then also on the calendar is Our Lady, Star of the Sea. Oh, I didn't realize that today. That's beautiful. Yeah. Cam, Cam is excited Cam too. Is like having a mini party over here. What's going on, Cam? My family has a big devotion to Our Lady Stella Maris. Um, it's Stella the, Maris, the yeah. middle name of my daughter, um, the middle name also of my youngest sister. Um, and really started with my mom at some point. She grew up over on the East Coast, and um, a lot of like maritime towns, sea towns have mm -hmm. a devotion to her. I don't know, like a lot of churches right along the coast on the ocean are Our Lady Star of the Sea. And so she developed a devotion to her later in life and um, it just kind of rubbed off on all of us kids. Yeah. So it's a big day for us. Are you celebrating today? I am. With? Cake. Cake. <laughs> all right. Well done. Well done. We should start that celebration very soon. You know what also today is, Dave? I do, but can you tell our friends? <laughs> it is um, Chocolate Milk Day, National Chocolate Milk Day. Mm. Already? It seemed like we just celebrated <laughs> I that. Know, Not it too comes long so ago. fast. Every year. Every year. <laughs> yeah, but I bet you don't know the history of it. You know, I, really, I, I, I don't. I never actually thought. Where does chocolate milk come from? Yeah, yeah. me neither until today. So right. let, me, let me tell you what Google came up with. The National History Museum lists Irish botanist Hans Solon as the inventor of drinking chocolate with milk. Solon found the local Jamaican beverage con consisting of cocoa and water served to him in Jamaica unpalatable. Yuck. But by, <laughs> but by adding milk to it, he found it much improved. Mm. Delectable, so I would say. <laughs> Are you a fan of chocolate milk? Dave? I am. You know, and uh, our daughter Abby is a huge, huge fan of chocolate milk. Still orders it whenever we're out. The first question is always, do you have chocolate milk? So the real question is, are you an Ovaltine or are you a mm. chocolate syrup? Between the two, I would say the syrup, definitely. I think we were raised on Nestle's. Oh, okay. Nestle's, the powder. You know, and actually, we had 
the strawberry powder also. And I actually preferred, I think, as as a child. Really? The, yeah, the strawberry yeah, milk? Yeah, it was something about the really Dave. chemically <laughs> inauthentic taste of strawberry milk that, that attracted me. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, not... <laughs> Not my personal preference. We were an Ovaltine family. Mm. I, I even remember the commercials, more Ovaltine, please. So, yeah, There's that was a fun. big tangent I could take us uh, an alley. <laughs> remember uh, Christmas Story, the movie? Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. With uh, uh, the Ovaltine commercials and the, and the decoder ring yeah. and everything. And <laughs> how disappointed he was when he realized, you know, he, he every day he listened or every week he listened to the radio show for that next clue, that next letter. And it ended up being a commercial for Ovaltine. What a bummer, so, eh? <laughs> learn that lesson young, friends. So, yeah, we have a great show today. Yeah. Deacon Steve Patrill, welcome. Thank you very much. Deacon Glad candidate Dave Collinsworth, welcome. Good morning. I just got to say, let's go to the chocolate milk just yeah. for a second. Are you yeah. a chocolate or a strawberry person? Uh, chocolate in the little cardboard boxes they used to bring to oh. us in elementary mm. school. Every day, mm-hmm. they would roll it in, and we would open it up and take a little milk break. Did you find those incredibly difficult to open? Yeah, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's go down memory lane well, here. Yeah. <laughs> I actually remember when I was in elementary school, we had an assembly of how to open the new chocolate milk and milk packets. And they An were, assembly? Yeah. On how to open a milk? <laughs> yes, I'm not lying because they, they were no longer in cartons, but um, it, plastic bags. And you had to press on it and then stick the, the straw in at the same time. It was this whole thing. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Fun fact. There you go. <laughs> Did you also have like math classes on that or was it all? <laughs> to figure out all the dynamics of it. Yes. That's it. <laughs> Dave, how about it? Chocolate or strawberry? Definitely chocolate. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Sorry. You, sorry. So you, the, no the, one's with you on the strawberry. The, the fake strawberry taste didn't appeal to either of you? No. no not at all. <laughs> mm. Disappointing. We won't hold it against you, however, because you are fine men of God, and that's what's important. So, Deacon, let's start with you. Tell us a little bit about your life, uh, your family, sure. uh, uh, where you serve. Yeah, well, I was originally, I'm originally from Cleveland, um, Ohio. East side, west side? Uh, or west right side, down the middle? and basically grew up in Lorain County. Okay. Went to grad school at Case Western, mm-hmm. met my wife there, um, and then um, since 1995, I've been in a psychology field, first as a postdoc, and then I teach at Ohio State. Um, I've been there for 17 years, I have three kids, they're 23, 20, and 17, um, and I uh, serve at St. Bridget of Kildare. I'm also director of formation for deacons of the diocese. For the last seven minutes, have you been analyzing me at all? <laughs> Just a little bit. Just a little Just bit. A little all right. Discussion. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll, talk, we'll talk off air. When, when were you ordained? Uh, 2016. Okay. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. Well, it's, it's an honor and it's a privilege to, to be a deacon. It really is. Yeah. It's, one of the, it's the second best thing I've done in my life other than get married. Outstanding. We're going to dig deeper on that. Dave Collinsworth, Deacon Candidate. Tell us a little bit about you, your family. Sure. I grew up over in the Dayton area. It seems like everybody in Central Ohio is a transplant from somewhere else in in the state of Ohio. But I grew up in the Dayton area. Um, After college, I went to grad school uh, at the University of Kansas. 
did an internship in uh, Wichita, Kansas, which is where I met my wife. Uh, we married in 1990, and uh, 33 years later, we have uh, three children, all grown. Last one's about halfway through college. Uh, we're parishioners at St. Paul's, that little church in Westerville. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, we've been very active in a variety of ministries there at, at the parish. Um, What's your career? Well, I um, spent most of my life in public service, uh, was uh, in city management, was the city manager in Westerville for about 13 years. Yes. Yes. <laughs> That's how I know Dave Collinsworth. Okay. Yeah. I live in Westerville. Okay. Very okay. good. Very I probably good. voted for you. Uh, you didn't vote for me. No? I can assure no? you that. Okay. Because my position's appointed. Oh, uh, okay. Or was until I retired in January of 21. <laughs> and uh, yeah, just, just decided uh, 32 years in public service was, uh, okay. was enough and was ready to make some changes in, in my life, not the least of which was preparing for the diaconate. Um, mm. I also uh, work part time for Ohio University, the Voinovich School of Leadership in Public Service, um, do some, uh, lead some training programs there. And uh, I have, uh, I'm part of a, a partnership. We have a local government consulting, management consulting firm. So I've got plenty of irons in the fire. Fantastic. Let's talk, uh, well, let's, the diaconate. The, we talk about permanent deacons, transitional deacons, but there's one diaconate. Am I right? Yeah, that's right. There's a sacramental, the, the first sort of rung of holy orders is the diaconate. Mm-hmm. Permanent deacons stop, and then transitional deacons keep going into the priesthood. Mm-hmm. And yet, when they're ordained to the priesthood, they're always a deacon, right? I mean, that that's an indelible seal. Yeah, you're still mark. you're yeah. still a deacon, but then you become a priest. It's like uh, some someone told me once. It's like one of those um, like a uh, 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 leather stamping. Like you get a stamp, and then you get another stamp on top of it oh, on okay. your soul. And so you still are a deacon, but then you become a priest. And some some then go on to become bishops. So. Mm-hmm. Another ordination. And the uh, scriptural basis for the diaconate is found in Acts. Acts right? and Timothy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. St. Stephen, uh, a big guy for you, for the deacons? Especially for me, for my name, yeah, for sure. Yeah, St. Stephen. So, um, you know, actually, I went to Israel, um, Jerusalem, right before the pandemic and mm. saw the spot where tradition says Stephen was stoned, right? And this. I'd only been a deacon a couple of years at that point. And uh, I don't know that, I I mean, obviously Stephen was always important to me because I'm named after him, but that really kind of brought it home for me to see the spot where he was actually martyred. I mean, and and it's it's just amazing. I don't know if you've ever been to Jerusalem. Everything's so close together. Mm. I mean, literally like the uh, St. Anne and Joachim's house is right there. It's right next to it. The temple is right over there. I mean, Mm. Jerusalem, you know, a city strongly compact, right? It really is that way. Mm-hmm. What so, was your faith like growing up? Did um, you do the altar serving and Sure. I mean, yeah, that? yeah. I grew up in a little town. I mean, I grew up in the Cleveland area in a little town mainly. Um, and I was an altar server, and I actually discerned the priesthood for a little while. That was going to um, be my next yeah, question. Yeah, I went to Notre Dame, uh, kind of discerning that. And after a year or two, I, I, I kind of realized that really wasn't my call. But I'd never seen a deacon in the flesh. I mean, there was just a little, like a little bit in the old, remember the old worship two hymnals? There was a little thing about the deacon, little lines here or there. I'd never actually seen one until I was about 35 years old. I was working in Pennsylvania at the time, and I saw in my parish there were these two deacons. And that was like the first when it really kind of 
kind of piqued my interest and just felt the kind of tug towards it. But then once I moved here, that's when it really, really kind of started for me. How unique is Columbus in uh, supporting or encouraging the diaconate? It seems like, at least in, in the time that I've been here, going back to Bishop Griffin, there, there's a strong commitment to the diaconate. There's a really strong diaconal culture in the diocese, and that's a credit to you know, Bishop Herman started the diaconate okay. here back in, the, I think, the late 70s. Um, but then when Bishop Griffin came, you know, he really kind of uh, really built it up. And Deacon Frank Inarino became the deacon director, and mm-hmm. um, he's still the director of ordained deacons, but they kind of split the position. Basically, it takes two people to do his old job, right? Um, so he's still <laughs> doing his job, as but the permanent deacons that are ordained, and then I'm I'm working with the helping the guys get ordained. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. Dave, tell us uh, growing up in the faith. Yeah. So I would say I had a very typical. Um, uh, upbringing in the faith. Um, we weren't, uh, you know, overly, overtly religious, uh, but uh, Sunday Mass was not an option. Uh, and um, when I was given the, uh, the, the well, I was given the option of going to the public high school or the Catholic high school, uh, my mom s- simply said, um, you know, you can go to the public high school if you want, but you will be at catechism every, every week. And uh, so I did. Uh, and because uh, that's where all my friends were going. I wanted to play sports there. But uh, you know, we, uh, my father was Protestant, so mm-hmm. um, my, my mom was, uh, was basically the, you know, the cause of my faith, um, and, uh, but again, uh, the, my parents were busy people, they were uh, in the restaurant business and, and had busy lives, and, and uh, but, um, you know, one thing we made, you know, my, my mom made sure of is that, you know, I was formed in the faith, and, um, um, you know, I, we went to mass every Sunday, and and um, and, and and all of those uh, typical, you know, uh, suburban Catholic uh, type of uh, lifestyle that you would expect. Did you ever uh, consider the call to the priesthood? You know, I never really did. Although I think there was a point in time where my family thought I was going to. Um, so, you know, I just uh, I had a a pretty routine. Uh, prayer life, even as a, as a young, as younger person in my teens, I uh, took that with me through my college years, made sure, you know, I went to, to mass during college. I was one of those guys. Uh, <laughs> but you know, um, and so I, I've always had, I've always had uh, a sense of God within me. Nice. And, yeah. um, and, and, but it, it never, um, it, it never rose to the level of con- consideration for the, for the priesthood. But, um, Obviously, later on in life, and, and perhaps that was because um, what my destiny was was the, the diaconate. I think so. Yeah. Right. I mean, it sounds like you were always open to to God's prompting, both of you guys, and uh, just being attentive. I had really good role models. I mean, my my dad was a dentist; he still is. Um, but he kind of took care of all the people who didn't have any money in town, so they went to him, and he would almost never, ever turn them into the credit agencies. Always would find a way to 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 help them and then they would like bring a load of wood over or something like that. And my mom was the prayer. So she taught me the rosary and, you know, she was the one that really kind of would spend like stay up all night talking about God. And my dad would go out and actually like serve people. So that that was kind of my upbringing growing up seeing that. Mm-hmm. In a very authentic way. I mean, they were just that's just who they were. Deacon Steve Patrill and Deacon Candidate Dave Collinsworth, 
Collinsworth, sorry, are with us here in the St. Gabriel Cafe this morning. I was reading a commentary this morning on Psalm 20 or 62, and the commentator made the point is so much of the spiritual life is balanced between waiting and serving. And boy, isn't that true? Waiting and serving, uh, just waiting to hear God's voice, listening, and, and then and then serving our brothers and sisters. I think that's a really good um, explanation, perhaps, of, uh, of what the diaconate is, is also. And I think, Dave, especially for you, as you're going through formation, um, waiting, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and yet continuing to serve. Yeah, um, you know, I, I think I began to, um, in earnest, to discern this vocation, eh, I'm going to say about 15 years ago, and then um, about uh, January of 2017, you know, I, I began to think, you know, the clock's ticking here. I need to I need to kind of either fish or cut bait, right? Mm-hmm. So I made the appointment with uh, Deacon Frank Anarino, um, and he met with my wife Jane and I, talked about um, the path, and uh, all that uh, is uh, is necessary to discern that calling, and um, and it just uh, kind of flowed from there. Um, you know, people in the parish will ask me uh, from time to time. They'll say, "Well, how how long does it take to become a deacon?" I said, "It depends on where you start the clock, because <laughs> there you know there's certain there's certain requirements, prerequisites that you have to to take before your formal entry into the program." And so that you know that alone. You know, it took me about three years to, to complete, but um, in, and I think that time period is is beneficial because it is a discernment process. Um, yeah, you you don't decide to become a deacon. You you that that is a, a calling that the church and you both have to discern. Did anyone ever ask you if you had considered being a deacon or invite you to to look at it? No, I I don't think directly. Mm-hmm. Um, anybody did um I, I but you know i've certainly have have been active in a lot of the roles that are you know a deacon like in 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 nature um with different ministries of the of the parish um and and then um once i announced my um my intention uh, to uh, to go into formation uh, i got a lot of affirmation that people saying well you know you it's should about time. Be. you should be yeah it's about time <laughs> right what took you so long <laughs> So how about, how about you, Deacon Steve? Did anyone invite you to take a look at it or not, not overtly? No. And I, I had moved here from Pennsylvania and, um, for me, it was like, um, one of my children, um, is on the autism spectrum and that kind of was why we moved here, um, to get better services for him from Mm -hmm. where I was. And then right after that, my father uh, was a Vietnam, is a Vietnam veteran, was explores agent orange had a liver transplant. Um, because of, you know, primary liver cancer. And um, so that all just kind of slowed me down um, from, I was on the work, you know, train, just trying to advance my career, take care of my family. Um, But then after all that, um, everything just slowed down for me. And I I saw this other pathway open up. And I literally just, uh, just emailed the diocese, basically. And then after that, there was affirmation. But, But no one really said, hey, Steve, I think you should you should go do this. I just, I don't know, just felt the call mm. and started walking towards it. Um, now, how, how long is the uh, the formation process? Well, I mean, there's 
there's different periods of it. All, all in all, from like first meeting with Deacon Frank, then me now to uh, ordination is typically about seven, eight years mm-hmm. from start to finish. Wow. So there's a couple, two, three years of, of earnest sort of inquiry uh, prep um, uh, period. And then from that, guys are invited into this period called aspirancy, which is getting a little bit closer. You're aspiring to 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 ordination to the diaconate and then that's a two-year process and then after that some guys are invited into candidacy which is where dave is now and that's a three-year period and then at the end of that three-year period is ordination and then after that there's five years of post-ordination formation so from start to finish it's about 10 15 years from the very very beginning to the end of formal formation okay pre and post-ordination and there's a lot of scrutiny during that process. People are watching. People are watching, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of formal screening that goes on. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've joked to a few people that it may have been easier to get into the CIA. Than <laughs> the um, Praise God for that. Huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the um, participation of your family. Now, in, in both of your situations, you, your children were older. My were young when I started. When you started the mm-hmm. formation, okay. Mm-hmm. What young. was that like? Because finding that balance anyway, as as a, as a father, as a husband, is can be challenging when you're involved in any ministry. But then to yeah. to make that commitment to a formal, you know, holy orders. That is one of the biggest. Well, there's many reasons for the period being so long, and one of it is how it's impacting. First and foremost, your marriage, mm-hmm. your wife. So, I mean, um, we always kind of joke that our wives have the have the the panic button, right? So they they literally have to say yes at every step of the way, um, all the way through this process. And what's your wife's name? Dawn. Dawn. Mm-hmm. Take us back to when you had that conversation with Dawn. I think I might be called yeah. to doing this. Yeah. She just said, go for it. I mean, she just said, go ahead, you know, and all the way through, you know, especially with a young family. I mean, the only thing that looking back that was the thing I miss is that there are pictures of them doing stuff when I was in class and I don't get that time back, you know, right. but, but at the same time, I, I made a commitment that I would at least try to be a better, they get a better husband and father out of the deal, hmm. you know, that that, you know, the things that, that God is calling me to do in the diaconate um, are fed by my family, my family life and my marriage, but they flow back into it too. Um, that, that those experiences and those things come back into my family life. So there's a really, it's not even a balance. It's like an integration of, of how your family like that. and yeah. how, your, how your faith, and I think that's true for anybody, actually. I don't think that's unique to the diaconate. I, I think that is what we're called to, to integrate the different parts of our lives into a whole following the will of God in our lives and the places he asks us to serve him. And Dave, your wife is Jane. Yes. Okay. Had you had that conversation over the years since, <clears throat> since you had been thinking about it for sure. some time, but was there that, that moment where Jane, I'm going to go for it? Yeah, I, I, I think there was such a conversation. Um, I don't remember it in vivid detail, although I think her general disposition through it all was that, that I'm not surprised. Um, I mean, she saw my own personal devotion uh, to, to my prayer life and my spiritual life and, and my devotion to the church. 
um, through my, uh, my different, uh, the mi- different ministries that I had already been involved in. Um, and she too, um, has, uh, is, is very active in church. She is, uh, runs the funeral, uh, ministry, uh, okay. for, for the parish. Um, so, uh, at least once a week, if not a couple of times a week, she's, uh, she's talking to, uh, members of the parish that have lost a loved one and are planning a funeral and, and does a lot of work in that realm and, and with our, uh, parish school of religion and, and such. So, uh, in the music ministry. So we, we are, we're both pretty active, uh, with, with the, the, the church. And, um, so it, it, I think it kind of is a natural, a natural flow for, hmm. for us. Dave and Deacon Steve, uh, so we're, we're talking about the diaconate, but in particular right now, um, just in terms of family life and Deacon Steve, you had mentioned just how much it's also blessed your family. And so, um, either Deacon Steve or Dave, could you share with us maybe some of those ways that you've just seen the Lord blessing your family through the way that you've given your time, the way that you're serving the church? Well, um, I'm going to answer the question, but maybe not in the way you're asking it. Um, sure, Dean uh, Steve. But uh, um, so, um, you know, since 2016, I've been brought into and invited into these really intimate moments of family life, you know, baptism, mm-hmm. weddings, mm-hmm. Um, end of life, you know. And so um, I lost my mom a couple of years ago to the pandemic, mm-hmm. and uh, um, I never got to be with her it was that period where we couldn't really see each other right sure. just for a little bit at the very very end um and then three weeks later um i'm uh visiting someone i was the one that could be in to visit this person mm-hmm. um with their family at the end of their mother's life um and so you just you just see how different families handle things mm-hmm. and you learn lessons from that about what you would hope to do when it's your turn, when your family's going through something. Sure. Because there's a great, I don't know how to put a word to it. There's so much holiness. People try so hard to live good lives and, and you see people doing it. And then, you know, that comes back to you. We're just the ministers. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, we're, we're here to help. You're blessed by their witness. Exactly. 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 So I would say that's the primary way is just how people handle and just, just try to find God in things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Beautiful. Dave, do you have thoughts? Yeah. So for, for me, because my, my kids were a little bit older, um, you know, they were in for the more most active part of my formation. Um, you know, they've been in college, um, or late high school years. So, um, it, you know, you, you tend to see a little less of them around, around that, around that stage in their lives. Um, so it was, it was really, a, a, a good timing from, from my standpoint, uh, r- relative to, to family life. But, um, you know, I, I, I think I agree to a certain degree with, with Steve about um, how much uh, more you are attentive to the, the witness of the faith uh, from others um, and, um, and the encouragement that has come from, from the, the, the parish community and, and family and friends that um, when, you know, upon learning of your your um, advancement in, in formation um, are just, you know, very supportive. The number of people that that indicate they're praying for me and for my family in this process, and it's that's a very reassuring feeling that you know, absent absent 
um, this process you you may not have otherwise heard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually I have a very supportive home parish back in California and the community is just always so good about sharing with me how that they're praying for me. And honestly, I just I feel like those prayers are so real that in my life has been blessed because of their prayers and I'm sure like you're sharing Dave just how blessed you feel because of others' prayers and how maybe it's helped you sustain through this process. Absolutely. Mm. Let's refill our mugs, take this opportunity to get some more coffee. When we come back, I'd like to talk about the ways that uh, deacons serve uh, our communities and then also encouragement for men uh, that may be considering uh, the diaconate. Friends, you're listening to the St. Gabriel Cafe. We'll be right back. A prayer for Ohio. Ever-living God, you give life and desire a future for all of your children. Take hold of our nation, state, and community and awaken in every heart awe for the gift of life. Send your spirit to strengthen us with wisdom and fortitude as we defend mothers and children in Ohio from laws that disregard their health and safety. Mary and Joseph trusted in you and welcomed Jesus into our broken world. Father, we ask their intercession to protect the preborn and their mothers and to guide all parents in raising their children. May they help us build a civilization of love by upholding the sacredness of life, preserving parental rights, and walking with pregnant women in need. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our Lady, Mother of the Family, pray for us. Saint Joseph, Protector of the Unborn, pray for us. Do you have a minute for lasting happiness? Living virtuously is the way to freedom, happiness, and holiness. To grow in virtue, we must learn about it, practice it, and persevere in it. This is what the saints have achieved with excellence. An excellent example of the virtue of faith is seen in Mary, the mother of Jesus. The Blessed Virgin Mary lived the virtue of faith heroically by saying yes to God and agreeing to become the mother of Jesus, even when she did not understand what this would mean for her. She practiced faith by standing with her son when he was being crucified, still believing in God's plan to save his people, even though his life was ending. Let us ask Mary to pray for us, that we may grow in faith and know God and all that he has revealed. Educate yourself in virtue. Learn more at educationinvirtue.com. I'm Lori Kroc, and this is a Holy and Healthy Minute. From Psalm 139, verse 14, I praise you because I am wonderfully made. The human body is an amazing gift from God, as is the life he has breathed into us. But in our culture, it can be easy to dwell on the aesthetics of our physical bodies, how we look, instead of being grateful that we can move, think, work, play, pray, serve, and love. Holy Spirit, help us to practice good stewardship of our 640 muscles, 600,000 miles of blood vessels, 300 million capillaries, 270 bones, and our incredibly complex brain. The magnificence of the physical body that you created is beyond our comprehension. Let us pray. 
We praise you, God, and we thank you for our physical bodies that allow us to serve you and to serve our neighbor. Amen. Welcome back, friends, to the St. Gabriel Cafe. I'm Amanda Miller. And I'm Dave Orsborn. We're in the cafe this morning with uh, Deacon Steve Patrill and Deacon Candidate Dave Collinsworth, and we're talking about all things Deacon. So, (laughs) you know, I've had the wonderful opportunity to um, just receive uh, counsel and just just fraternity with a number of deacons over the years not not official spiritual direction but just just spending time together and the reason i approached um these deacons was because of the grace of the sacrament that you guys have received you know the grace of holy orders And, and there's something there and in many cases, you know, the graces that come with marriage. Uh, so those two things are, were a powerful incentive, air quotes, sorry folks, you could see it, uh, to, to pursue the, those conversations. Have you had experiences like that where just from men wanting to talk about guy stuff, marriages, families, um, all, all the challenges and struggles sure i mean um that's one of the i don't know i want to say hidden but maybe unseen things that we do a lot of i mean i mean men and women too you know come and talk to us about things all the time and you know i'm I, i'm actually a, a, in the psychology department but i'm not a licensed psychologist but we do a lot of pastoral care we we talk to people we help people find the right people to talk to about things if we're not the right person mm-hmm. a lot of times too we'll do things like you know, someone hasn't gone to reconciliation for years and years and years, and we we help get them. Part of our job, too, is to help to get people to the priests. Um, you know, we're kind of a intermediary sometimes. Right. Um, and so that's part of our role is to, to you know, bring the, the, the vulnerable to the priests and to help priests get to the vulnerable and also do some of that work ourselves. Mm. It's a great It's a great gift to be a part of that. Well, we're blessed by the by the gift in 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 so many ways. Some of which are kind of the official ministries of the church. So, um, marriages, right? You can witness marriages. You can witness marriages. You know, when delegated by a priest, um, mm-hmm. we can preside at um, baptisms. Um, we can preside also at funeral services outside of mass, um, and then. Um, you know, in Mass, we're ordinary ministers of communion, um, and we proclaim the gospel, um, which is really, um, you know, the, the, the Mass kind of shows, you know, our, our, our Monera, right? I mean, we proclaim. Sometimes we preach. Um, we serve. We're always serving at the altar. Um, it's a witness of our service to the community. And then also, you know, we're elevating the, the chalice at the, you know, at the end of the consecration, which is a, a sign of our, our, our participation in the sacramental life church uh, of those uh, and i'll use the term official you know church ministries which one's been the biggest surprise for you deacon hmm. i would say charity actually because charity means more than we th- sometimes think it does mm-hmm. um, charity is all places where we you know meet people in their need and 
and walk with people and not try to, you know, I don't know. We have this kind of in our society, this kind of hierarchical view of charity, but it's really an accompaniment kind of charity. And it, and it happens in all these different ways, um, you know, in a parish, in the diocese involving, you know, sort of corporal works, but also a lot of times spiritual works. And that's been the biggest surprise is the spiritual part of charity. Mm-hmm. How about uh, preaching? Well, I mean, I'm a teacher, so I, I, okay. I talk for a living. But but preaching's very different, um, and I've had to learn that. Um, first of all, I think the longer I've been a deacon, um, I realize that sometimes maybe preaching is the first thing you see when you like think about maybe becoming a deacon. You see a deacon preach, or maybe that's what people see a lot. But that's actually one of the lesser. It's not unimportant, obviously. It's very important, but in terms of our day to day lives as deacons it's not the, the first thing that, that we do. In fact, we preach on occasion. Um, you know, the priest gives us the opportunity to preach. The priest wants to preach every time. That, that's the priest's prerogative. Right. You know, so, yeah, but, um, yeah, but preaching is, uh, um, it, it's, 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 it's like with teaching, you can go back. You know, oh, I didn't say that quite right. With, 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 uh, with preaching, it's all forward. It's kind of like being on the radio. You really can't go back. <laughs> <laughs> Not live radio. Yeah, yeah. How about you, Dave? Uh, what are your, your expectations at this point? Now, when's your ordination so, planned for? Uh, my, myself and my, my nine brothers uh, that are in formation uh, are hopeful and expecting that August the 10th of next year, uh, Okay. God willing, uh, Bishop Fernandez will ordain us to the diaconate. Um, so when I, you dream at night and you, and you dream of being a deacon, kind of, what are those dreams about? I probably shouldn't say this, but <laughs> I take my the, Steve's not the listening. Only, yeah. The only dreams I've had about the diaconate have been nightmares. Like I've <laughs> been showing up for mass in in shorts. I've had that. I've had that dream. You know, um, my my alb is my alb is torn, or I forgot I forgot the the book of the gospels, or something like that. So. Mm. Uh, I'm waiting T- for takes it. you back to school, right? Like you forgot there's a test. <laughs> yeah, I forgot or, the final. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Deacon Steve, you're nodding like, yep, I've had, I've had that those. before. Yeah. Had, I still have them sometimes. Uh, <laughs> sometimes they're just a little too real. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Nightmares aside. Yeah. No. Uh, I, going back to, I think what Deacon Steve was talking about with respect to uh, charity, works of charity. You know, um, the interesting thing about the deacon is <clears throat> we are ordained um, in, in that ministry, but we also have a foot in in the laity, right? I mean, we, we kind of come from the laity. We, we have um, lives that reflect uh, what the laity's lives look like. Um, and so um, there's, there's kind of, I think, sometimes a special connection there uh, between um, the deacon and, and the laity that is... Um, it affords us the opportunity for for doing acts of charity that that might be um, you know a little different than what you might experience with with a, a priest or a religious uh, brother or sister, and um, and so I think leading up to ordination and and really this is not not necessarily um, a stretch but it's it's practicing that those. Um, those uh, works of mercy, spiritual and corporal, um, uh, throughout you know your your daily 
your daily witness uh, of the gospel. And um, that's, that is, I think, uh, one of the most vital elements of, of what we can expect from the deacons um, in the church. Mm-hmm. Deacon Steve Patrill and Deacon Candidate Dave Collinsworth are with us here in the cafe. Do you have daughters, Dave? Two daughters and a son. Have you thought about weddings? Will you be walking down the aisle or or uh, celebrating the Mass or witness? What, what's the term for we witnessing the Mass? We would probably be assisting, assisting. Um, a priest. If, you yeah. know, if our, our kids marry a Catholic, you know, Catholic, we would encourage them to have a Mass. But yeah. Honestly, I, I, I leave it up to them, mm-hmm. but my preference, honestly, would to be their dad. Yeah. How about you, Dave? I'm just hoping for a church wedding. First things first, right? Yeah. Yeah. They they might be listening, so they know that that's that's the truth. But um, yeah, I I I haven't really given it a whole whole lot of thought. But um, you know, whatever they're comfortable with, I'm not. You know, I'm not there to impose my will in that mm. regard but uh, whatever they're comfortable with I'll, I'll i'll go with i like your answer uh both of your answers but deacon steve when you said dad first uh and, and that flows with the whole idea uh, of the diaconate for, for you all i mean family is first your marriage is your first vocation and your diaconate is your second vocation mm-hmm. um and sometimes it's easy to forget that because the busyness of the parish will just, you know, there, you, you can never run out of things to do, especially in a large parish, the parishes that we're in. Um, but if you don't have your family in the front of that, it's going to collapse eventually. You're going to, because you're not, you're out of order, basically. Your family has to come first, and your marriage has to come first. And let, then your diaconate flows out of that. Let's talk uh, just a little bit more about uh, the formation if a single guy wants to be ordained to the diaconate, is he allowed to get married after the ordination? No, um, you 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 can be ordained after you're married, but you can't be ordained and then get married. Um, and if a guy is um, so, if you're married, um, the minimum age is 35. Okay. Um, if you're not married, uh, the minimum age is 25. But practically speaking, if a guy comes and wants to talk to us about being a deacon, um, the first thing I would do is send them to the director of priestly formation and have that man seriously discern a priestly vocation first. Okay. Um, So there's nothing canonically that prevents a guy from being a a deacon who's unmarried, but Mm -hmm. practically speaking, the church needs priests more than they need deacons, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And so you want to make sure that guy isn't uh, called to the priesthood first. I I, I think that would probably follow then too if your wife precedes you in death you wouldn't be able to remarry either you can't there are rare circumstances but you have to petition rome for a a dispensation and that would be like if it's a young you know young family or something like that but for all intents and purposes when a when a man becomes an ordained deacon he doesn't remarry again actually someone asked me that and i'm like you know, Dawn was sitting right next to me. I'm like, you know, it's not like I'm planning my next move, you know, after, you know, it's just like, you know, you know, I wouldn't do it anyway, but you really can't as a deacon because once you're ordained, you don't get married. It's, it's, it's a one-way door. Yeah. Do you know the church's wisdom on that? What, what she says about um, not remarrying after? Well, because when you're a cleric, you're celibate mm-hmm. unless you're previously married. Right. So that's how permanent deacons, it says, can be married only once. 
Um, and so if your wife precedes you, then you you become celibate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's part of being a cleric. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Way to go, church. We're speaking with Deacon Steve Patrill and Deacon Candidate Dave Collinsworth about the diaconate. Let's talk about offering that encouragement. And uh, you mentioned a, a deacon just a moment ago. About, uh, if you were to have a conversation with a young man, so the minimum age is thirty-five. If you're married. If you're married, mm-hmm. what what's the uh, upper range there? Um, sixty is when you need to start candidacy. Okay. Um, in this diocese, anyway, at this point in time. So. So then you really be. 68 or so by the time you well, would be ordained if well, you started 60. Well, you would be 60 for that three-year candidacy period. Okay. So you have to be ordained. Um, you have to be ordained by the time you're in your 60 is what you'd like. Mm-hmm. But sometimes we can kind of move it out a couple of years by okay. ordination. But again, that's up to the bishop. Um, that's sometimes a unique situation. Is there an average age for Columbus? I mean, there are most of the guys, at least in my cohorts um, that I was in, and I think yours. There's some guys that are in like their early four, late 30s, early 40s. Um, some guy, then there's a group of guys kind of in their mid to late 40s, and then there's guys in their 50, early 50s. And then there's a few guys that are kind of towards the end of their 50s. So it's usually like kind of mm-hmm. 40s, mid mid 40s to mid 50s. I would say is pretty much most of the. Would you agree, Dave? Yeah, I th- I think in our in our group. Uh, probably the second oldest at 57. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we, we have, we have some younger guys. We have, uh, one of our, um, uh, candidates, um, who just had a baby in the last year. So, yep. you know, that's, um, you know, that's a, that's a very different, um, feel from what, from what my experience is mm-hmm. in this formation process. And then in, in terms of income are, is the expectation that deacons will be supporting themselves. Yeah, now, some of yourself. it could be through church ministry, right? I mean, you may have a, a parish job. Yeah, if you, you have a job in the church, you can keep your job mm-hmm. in the church, but we're expected to provide for ourselves and for our families. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, that would be with younger children, uh, a, you know, a, a challenge, right. Right? right? right. And, you know, there are some dioceses that don't really look for younger guys, but our diocese is open to guys through the whole range of, of um, you know, the, now I don't, I, there aren't too many 35 year olds that start, you know, just life. It, there's a lot to do. And by the time you're 35, but when you're late thirties, early forties, that's about when guys are kind of ready mm-hmm. to come in. So a guy's interested, what's the first step? You know, um, I would say, um, if a guy's interested, they should maybe do a couple things. Talk, make sure they've talked to their wife. Um, I mean, in, in all things, start there, <laughs> uh, right? Um, right. <laughs> yeah, start there. And then, you know, talk to their pastor, talk to the deacons in their parish, start to form a relationship with them. Um, but then they can also reach out to us in the, in the, in the diocese. So, um, you know, columbuscatholic.org forward slash deacons. There's a whole webpage. There's contact information. Just reach out to me. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll set up a meeting with you and your wife if you're married and we'll, We'll kind of talk about the process, but I would say start at the parish level, contact us, and then if people know of someone who they think might be a good possible have a diaconal call to, re- to reach out to them. Mm-hmm. Would deacons be available to 
get together for coffee or for lunch and just yeah, I mean, that's toss the, the idea around? Yeah, I mean, I think that, and that's what, you know, when, when someone's coming out of the inquiry process, that first stage, one of the things that we're kind of looking for is are they already involved in their parish? Um, do they do they know their pastor? Does do they know their deacons? Are they are they serving their parish and charity and you know serving in the ways that are diaconal? Um, so to to start to form those those relationships and and those practices and that expression of faith in the parish is I think. I mean, would you agree, Dave? I mean, oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, uh, before I I met with uh, uh, Deacon with Jane and I met with Deacon. Frank, that first time back in 2017, I had, I had met with Father Charlie Klinger, my pastor at that time, and uh, you know I said, you know, are are you seeing what I'm feeling, uh, so to speak? Um, you know, is this, or you know, would you would you support and and uh, uh, collaborate with me in in this um, in this formation process? And he gave me nothing but total encouragement in, in that. So that's important. And then I also have had you know conversations with. Our deacons at our parish, uh, Deacon Mickey Hawkins and Deacon Joe Sykura, uh, who've been a great um, a, a great source of support and encouragement. Uh, always, you know, asking me how things are going, what classes are you taking right now, and you know those types of things. Is there a waiting period for converts? Um, yes, um, fully initiated Catholic for five years. Okay. So I mean, the reason is, well, is that you makes know, sense. You want you want someone to really kind of start to integrate those sacraments in their life, you know, the set baptism, confirmation, receive the Eucharist, let that build in a person, and then after a certain period of time, if that call's still there, then you know, then then we we kind of go from there. What was it like going back to school? I never left. I mean, I'm a professor. So <laughs> Not a big deal. <laughs> but it's weird being on the other side of the desk, I'll be honest with you. Yeah. Um, and uh, just the discipline of having to turn in papers, and mm-hmm. I thought it was kind of So you have to write stuff. papers. Oh, write papers, I was going to ask, tests. is there much homework? There is. Wait, yeah. Is there? <laughs> Lots okay. of reading, mm-hmm. papers. Can your wife things. help with that, that also, or is, is, is you have to do it yourself? Um, <laughs> the only thing I've asked Jane to help me with is uh, some of our classes, we, we have to write um, a homily about topic a or topic b or whatever uh or this reading or whatever gospel um and and so there have been times when i've said hey i want you to i want you to review this read this read this uh homily and i've heard that from a number of deacons too yeah that that i mean of course yeah of course you'll be a a good critic and charitable always always has been yeah (laughs) (laughs) so yeah going back in the into the classroom a lot of discipline. I mean, on top of a job, to um, how do you carve out that time? Um, everything else in my life just. I mean, my life is very like work, family, church. Now, I, I used to do. I had hobbies. I you know all that stuff just just mm-hmm. literally went away, um, and I had to focus on the on those three things, and it's still that way now. Um, that's, okay. that, that, that's what that, God's that's asking you to do, yeah, right? I mean, that, that's your response to, yep. to the call. Yep. In my case, uh, it was a decision to retire a little earlier than, than what I might have otherwise done. Uh, I had the ability to do that um, financially, and um, I knew that that extra time would be necessary. Um, the work that I was doing as a city manager was full-time plus. Uh, so um, I knew that it would be a, an uphill 
uh, challenge to try to work in that kind of a work-life demand in addition to formation. So in my case, I had the benefit. Uh, I'm very fortunate and blessed to have been able to take a you know somewhat early retirement, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I still I still work in a couple part-time capacities, but but it, it affords me great flexibility. What did your uh, former colleagues think? Um, Any surprises? I mean, I mean, you don't have to throw anyone under the bus, yeah. obviously, but I mean, did they? I mean, you you have professional friendships, and Absolutely. I would I would imagine that they they saw just just again, your virtue. No, nothing but affirmation. No, yeah. No, are you kidding me or anything of that sort? <laughs> you? <laughs> uh, no, it was just it was total affirmation uh, with within my my professional colleagues, and um, um, were very very supportive of it. And uh, so I, I, again, it it's across the board. It's been a, a very um, uh, heartening uh, process. What are some of the biggest, um, stumbling blocks for guys that are, that are thinking about going in, um, either, you know, very practical stumbling blocks or, or psychological just, I, I would say one of them is that, you know, when, when, when you start, you think you're finished, if that makes any sense. Um, so it's really a, a very long process. And so when guys come, um, it's, a, it's a period of inquiry. It's a period of formation. It's a period of discernment all the way through, all the way through candidacy, right? Until Bishop lays hands on you, there's a period of discernment and there are many off ramps. If this is not your call, there are many, there are many ways to, to, to get off the, 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 the process of formation. Um, and so I think guys sometimes come in a little bit, I don't know, at least I was, I, I thought I crossed the finish line when I started candidacy, but I was actually at the starting gate, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it um, does. and, and that's, so that's part of it. Just that kind of, and that's one and part of it. The other thing is like, we're in this sort of achievement culture here where like we have to graduate by this, we have to do this by this time, we have to get this by that time, but really this is a process that's this is on God's time. And this is on the time frame of eternity mm. of our eternal salvation. And, and to really empty ourselves out of ourselves, mm-hmm. like the, the whole formation process, it just kind of opens you up, empties you out and then fills you back up with this, you know, capacity to be a minister, a public minister of the church. It's very incredibly humbling, but really wonderful at the same time. I think that second piece that Deacon Steve was talking about is really what I would uh, observe is, <clears throat> you know, it, it's it's uh, it's it's only one part you. You know, if you want to go get a master's degree, you you know you you go you enroll, you take the classes, you pass the test, you get a master's degree. Or if you want to get a real estate license, you do the work and you get the. Um, and as long as you kind of check those boxes, but but this process is a little different. It, it's a, it's a two way. Uh, f- uh, process where not only are you, um, you know, forming yourself and being formed, but but also the the discernment has to happen from the church's side, from from the from the, the from the bishop and the and the formation director. So um, there is that you know prospect all along, and, and Deacon Frank was never shy about reminding us of that. That you <laughs> know it could be the, the week of ordination if you you know, and if you if something 
doesn't look right or something's happened that, you know, looks askew, you know, you, you could be disinvited to ordination. You know, it's like when you get down on your knee and you propose, the person can say no. Mm-hmm. Now you do everything you can do, obviously in an open, honest, transparent relationship, you know, you, you, you kind of, you see the reality before it gets to that point. Right. But the reality is, is that this is a relationship that you're forming. Yeah. And um, there's freedom on both sides. There's freedom on both sides. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. We have just about four minutes left. Uh, Deacon Steve, your ordination. Yeah. Yeah. Seven years ago. At, uh, was that at St. Paul's? It was at, no, it was down at the cathedral. Okay. The day of the Ohio State-Michigan game, actually. Oh, who scheduled that? <laughs> Come on. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and so I'm yeah. saying, was, who scheduled was, the Ohio yeah. State-Michigan game that day? So. No, that created some logistical issues, but, you know, finding hotel rooms for family and stuff like that. Mm. But, uh, but yeah, seven years ago, and, um, you know, I just remember, um, I, I mean, I came in just like, you come in all kind of amped up, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then like the moment the ordination happened, everything got calm. I, I can't even explain it. Wow. And you're la- like, before you ordain, you lay on the floor and they do the litany of the saints. That is, that is so an incredible, beautiful. incredible thing. You just, I mean, it just never forget that. It's just unbelievable. Wow. Have you been to ordinations, Dave? Yeah, I've been to so both, um, transitional deacon ordinations uh, and and regular permanent deacon ordinations and uh, priestly ordinations before. They're beautiful liturgies. Um, and uh, so, um, you know, hopefully, again, uh, uh, August the 10th of next year, we'll, we'll get to experience that. We'll continue to pray for you guys. So oh, thank you. The website is columbuscatholic.com slash deacons to go directly to the deacons page it's columbuscatholic.org uh, dot org deacons. okay yep. go right to the page and then there's contact information um please reach out to me deacon steve patrell mm-hmm. um and uh we'll we'll set up a meeting and we'll we'll go from there the how you're one of nine in, uh, one in your of class ten. one of ten yes okay that we had we had 11, and uh, one gentleman had to relocate out of state. So he's kind of c- trying to continue to pursue that in his new diocese. Friends, we pray for vocations all the time. That's a big part of who St. Gabriel or what St. Gabriel Radio is. Let's remember uh, to pray for the men that are discerning the diaconate, that that they have, the um, first of all, the courage to step forward, uh, to listen to the call. Uh, and then to take whatever that next step is is for them and to ha- have that boldness to to uh, love the church as they love their families. So, Amanda, glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, a world without end. Amen. Deacon Steve, Dave, thanks for being with us in the cafe today. Tomorrow we'll be back at 8 a.m. God bless you all.